Listen up, because this question is for you. Do you prefer Tootsie Rolls, Twix, or Snickers? If you prefer Snickers, raise your right hand out of Tootsie Rolls, Twix, or Snickers. Zero. zero you're, not eight, you're not under 18, Larry. You don't care. Sorry. So no votes for Snickers. Okay, that took care of that. All right. Twix or Tootsie Rolls? If you prefer Twix, raise your right hand. One, two. Two votes for Twix. All right. Then Tootsie Rolls. Raise your right hand if you have votes for Tootsie Rolls. So no preference. Some, some of you have no preference. It's two to two. Okay. So I'm going to open them both. Okay. Now let me fair warn you as I'm opening them both to make sure you're filling out your worksheet today. Because that's what these things are for. Okay. Just get the All right. thrill of God's word of teaching. Massive thrill. Okay. Yes. Pens. That's what we need. Who needs a pen? I'm throwing pens. Oh, you're throwing pens? Yes, I always throw pens. Hit the light. That's Tony's pen. Nicole. This is why we can't have nice. Nice. Sure? I really want to throw a pen at you. I really want you. Okay. Sorry. Intercepted. Anybody else? Anybody? Nice. What? <laughs> what? Here, you got Chris? Yeah, my spider. We actually have three pens. So here, you can have a little bit. Dude, what just happened? I would not ask you to do something I cannot. Okay. Are we good? Everybody got a pen that needs a pen? Yeah, put it right there. Nice. There won't be a lot of writing, uh, but there will be a little bit, and there's going to be a little bit of reading. Okay? We throw pens. That's right. So online, those of us who are now we've now terrified people, and they probably will never come to church because they're afraid we'll throw pens at them. It could happen. <laughs> 
Yes, yeah. I would, except I'm afraid I would actually hit it. You like 3D glasses. Okay, so if somebody would kindly look up Proverbs 26.2 in their Bible, and somebody would kindly look up Matthew 15.11 in their Bible, and then when that time comes, you'll have those ready. Okay, all right, so we're going to talk today about incidental witness. Before we do that, t- somebody tell me what the word incidental means. 26.2, and it's on the worksheet too, if you need it again. It's in the middle. All right, incidental. What does incidental mean? Say again? Not on purpose. All right, I don't know why I did that. It's not going to help. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, not on purpose. Yeah, that would be true. A result of the situation. Say it again? A result of the situation. That's pretty good. Yeah, okay. Well, so we got a working definition where something happened. It wasn't purposeful. It wasn't necessarily an accident. It just kind of turned out that way. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about is an incidental witness. In case you didn't know already, we're, as if you're a Christian and you're in the room, you're called to be a witness. Um, and when Jesus said, you will be my witnesses, it's a pretty serious thing because the word witness is actually the word martyr, which is where we get our word martyr from. And so as a witness, we are supposed to do that. It is so important that we're supposed to even die if necessary to do it. And sometimes you might have to die. Sometimes you might have to die. Certainly you might have to die to self, which means not necessarily dying, but like putting your own preferences aside. Okay? So we're not going to read the whole story, but I'm going to kind of narrate part of the story and then read a couple of excerpts from it. You may have heard a story about a guy in the Bible called Balaam. My apologies to those who are only partially hearing me online. Okay? So Balaam is a prophet. Okay? And Balaam the prophet um, was kind of well-known. And so the Israelites are marching out of Egypt. And you see my little sketch on the right-hand side over here of the Israelites marching out of Egypt. That's my sketch. Uh, I, I couldn't get a hold of Nancy in time. She was going to draw it much better than that. But So that's what, I, that's what I could do there for the Israelites marching out of Egypt. There was like, it should be like millions of little stick men. But anyway, so they're marching out of, of, Israel, of Egypt. There we go. And they're kind of freaking people out because now there's a lot of them. Right, and um, one of the local kings tries to get the prophet Balaam to curse Israel so they might have a chance of standing up against them. And so, in Numbers twenty-two forty-one, and if you look at the fire there below, the fire is a box, and in that box goes Numbers twenty-two forty-one, the book of Numbers twenty-two colon forty-one, or however you like to write it yourself. And it says this, Then it came about in the morning that Balak, that's the king, took Balaam, that's the prophet, and brought him up to the high places of Baal, that's a false god. And he saw from there a portion of the people. So he could see part of Israel as they were marching. Then Balaam said to Balak, Build seven altars for me here, and prepare seven bulls and seven rams for me here. And Balak did just as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam, remember Balak is the king, and Balaam is the prophet. They offered up a bull and a ram on each altar, and then Balaam said to Balak, Stand beside your burnt offering, and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to me, and whatever he shows me, I will tell you. All right, so basically, the prophet says, Yeah, I'll consult God for you, but I'm going to tell you whatever God says, whatever God says to me. Nicole, what did you put in the box? Say it again. Okay, it's 2241. Oh, she probably misheard me. It happens. 2241. Okay, so fix it. All right. 
Um, so where was he standing when he, when they're looking down on part of Israel, where were they standing? Jason? Okay, they built altars there, but that's not where they were standing. Anybody get it? Okay, I'll, I'll read it again, real quick. So it says, he brought him up to the high places of Baal, and Baal was a false god. Okay, at the high places, the place where they worshiped this false god. So Balaam, the prophet, follows God. Balak, the king, rules the people in that area. They go up to one of the high places of a false god, and from there, they look down on the people of Israel as they're coming into the land. Okay? And so he says, I'll, tell, I'll say for you whatever, whatever God tells me to say. So you see your little picture there. That's my fire. There, there they are. I, got, I made Balaam a little shorter than Balak or vice versa. Looking down. Now, if you look down next to Israel on the right-hand side, when he looks down, he sees something very interesting. All right? And I'm skipping down to verses 9 and 10. And it says, as I see him... From the top of the rocks, talking about Israel, Jacob, the nation below, as I see him from the top of the rocks, and I look at him from the hills, behold, a people who dwells apart and shall not be reckoned among the nations, who can count the dust of Jacob. In other, in other words, there's so many of them. Or number the fourth part of Israel. Let me die the death of the upright and let me my end be like this. Okay? And so... The, in the blanks there goes numbers. The top line is numbers. And the reference goes on the bottom. 23, 9 through 10. 9, he's looking at them, and this is what he sees, or what he says about them. A people who dwells apart and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Somebody tell me that, what that means in your own words. Hmm? Okay. A people who dwells apart and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Gonna try it. What I'm hearing from that, since my vocabulary is not nearly as excellent okay. as it should be, I'm hearing a good number of people who should not exist. Okay, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Okay, uh, I don't disagree with that. Tony Tate? A bunch of people that are set apart, but no one will like, they won't be recognized for what they're doing or how they're doing it. They're just going to be like excluded. So. Yeah, so there are different people. Right? And um, they, they will not be part of any other nation. They're not going to come and join in. They're not joiners, if you want to say it that way. All right? So he saw a people that were completely different and that were not going to be part of any other nation. His response to that, the second part of verse 10 was, let me die the death of the upright and let my end be like this. In other words, he wants to be like Israel. He wants to die like Israel would die or to be like that. All right? Stick a pin in that half of the page. Move over to the left half of the page now. So you see a heart there. You see what looks like an arrow coming out of the heart and going up on the top there. And someone has Proverbs 26.2 ready to read. Jesus. Amen. Who's got it? Proverbs 26.2. RJ, go. Go ahead, Charlie. Good. That's a good. I like that translation too. That's neat. Okay. So she she said, 
like a sparrow, or her says like a swallow, fluttering swallow, right? An undeserved curse goes nowhere, okay? And the New American Standard says, a curse without cause does not alight, which means to land. To alight is to land. Did you want a worksheet? Did you get one? You got it? Okay. All right? So, so a light is to land. So now we have a curse that if, if you're not supposed to be cursed and someone curses you, it doesn't land. All right? So if you follow the arrow up and to the left, you'll see a line under the arrow there, and that should be curses. So I submit to you that curse comes out of a person's heart. And I'll get there in one second. But what this verse actually says is that curse will not land. It will not stick. Okay? And who's got Matthew 15, 11? Anybody? I can get it if not. Matthew 15, 11. All right, go ahead. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. Okay? So it's not what goes into you that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of you. Right? So the, the second line there is Matthew 15, 11. So the second, under Proverbs 26, 2, you should have Matthew 15, 11. So this is a picture of the curse coming out of somebody's heart. Remember, it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes out, come out of some sort, and going into the air, if you will, and it does not land. In the, back to the story of Balaam for a moment. Balaam and Balak. Oh, I turned the page. I gotta go back. When Balaam is standing up there and he's looking at Israel, he makes the statement about Israel. Verses, verse 8, he says, How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how can I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? So basically he's saying, Balak wants to pay me to curse them, but how can I curse them? Because they're not cursed, right? God hasn't cursed them. Now, just be plain for a moment. This word curse here has a very specific meaning. It isn't just oh, like you use the F word about them or something, although that would be a kind of a curse, right? We say curse and we think it's got to be foul language. But you can curse somebody by calling them stupid. Okay? The actual meaning of the Hebrew word is, to, is vilification. There's one for you. Josh, you want to define vilification for us? He's going to look it up. Anybody got a definition they can just write off the top of their head? So, got the root vil, go. To make out to be evil. Yeah, to make out to be bad, a villain, right? So, to make someone to be a villain or to be bad in some way. So, when you call somebody stupid or a fool, do you have it now? To vilify is to utter slanderous and abusive statements against. There you go. To lower estimation or importance. There you go. So, basically, you can do that a lot of different ways, right? Now, I'm going to ask you, has anybody ever done that to you? Let's, try, let's flip it around because the odds are, is there anyone in this room that has never had anyone say anything bad about them? Okay, that's what I figured, right? So we all, we, we've all experienced it, haven't we? It's a real thing. It happens literally all the time. In fact, there is a particular time in which it might happen more often. Okay? And so what he's saying is, how can I curse, or how can I make out to be less, or how can I say bad things about, or how can I attack them verbally, or any, anything like that, the one that God has not done that to, right? So, in the 
first set of four blanks across the top, it should say undeserved. And that word is spelled just exactly like you would think. It's un, D-E-S-E-R-V-E-D. There's no Z, so I guess I didn't, maybe not, but undeserved. And then curse, won't, settle. Okay, so I mean, as a little aside real quick, here is the greatest defense of your life. If someone calls you stupid and you're not stupid, you can literally ignore them. And you're not stupid, by the way. There's nobody stupid in this room. Right? Someone called, says you're mean, but you know you're not. And, or you did something and they're misconstruing what you did. They think it meant it as mean, but you know you're not mean. You can totally dismiss it. It cannot touch you. It's an undeserved curse. So the question is, then, is there ever a deserved curse? Okay, so here's the problem with saying yes. Because you could call somebody stupid and they really maybe are stupid. But by the way, if a person has like a 70 IQ and you call them stupid, that's not, that's not nice. That's just hurtful, right? They might actually be somebody's idea of stupid, but that doesn't mean they're stupid, right? That's not how that works. So you don't actually, so in most normal cases, for you to pick out someone's fault and make a statement about them that makes them look smaller than they are, that's not appropriate, right? That is an undeserved curse. Why? Because what, are the, what is the one thing we know about every human being? As messed up as we are, before and after you're saved, the one thing you know. Say it again. Image of God. Is the image of God supposed to be cursed? No, I mean, we're fallen, we have one curse, don't we? We have the curse that is because of sin. Essentially, God cursed us. So when you curse somebody who is made in the image of God, you better be careful because you're cursing the image of God. God doesn't want them to be cursed. They may be cursed because they may not know Jesus. They're still living under sin, right? But God doesn't want them to be cursed. Also, God is, God is already present at every moment in time in your life. Let's say you live to be 100 years old, RJ. God is already there on your 99th birthday, already knows that you'll live to be 100 years old, already knows whether you will serve him to the conclusion of your life or whether you're faking it right now. He already knows the answer to those questions. You don't know because you haven't lived the timeline yet. Our brains only process what we've seen so far, right? But we, can, we do have dreaming and imagining and like that, so we can think about the future, and that's part of what shows our sentience against like animals, Right? We can go, well, maybe we can dream, we can hope, we can pray for things that we don't have, we can think about the future, but God is already present. God is already there hugging you, well done, good and faithful servant, if he's going to. He's already there. He's present in every moment of time, already. So if Tommy is right now faking it, and 10 years from now walks away from the Lord and becomes a complete jerk, and we all can't stand to be around him, right? he becomes an apostate, curses about God all the time, Shows up at the church building, burning stuff on the parking lot, you know, whatever, and we just cannot stand to be around anymore. We're calling the police. We banned him from the property. All this has happened. And you curse him. And then 25 years later, he repents, turns back to the Lord, and becomes a, a true Christian. He gets back to where he's supposed to be, living for God, living with God, God in him, right? Guess what the problem is? God was there when he first accepted Christ. God's there when he repents. So while you're cursing him, God knows it's an undeserved curse. 
right? Because God knows 25 years from now he's going to accept Christ or whatever. And in any case, he was created in the image of God, so he shouldn't be doing it in the first place. So the bottom line is there really is no place for a deserved curse. So before we say, well, I'm going to curse them because they deserve it, be very careful because there really is no place for it. But it is a great truth that an undeserved curse will not settle. It doesn't mean that it won't be true. It's an undeserved curse, therefore it's not true, right? So it doesn't mean that it won't be true. It says it won't settle. So where does it go? Say it again. In the air. That's where it goes. It says like a fluttering bird. Or like her translation said a fluttering sparrow. What a great picture that is. Right? It's in the air. It leaves you generated by the wickedness of your heart. And that's another problem altogether. Because uh, we shouldn't have that if we're saved. It leaves you, comes out of you, and goes into the air. And generally speaking, that means it's going to follow you around wherever you go. Right? So an undeserved curse won't settle. Now, relating these two texts together, the next thing you're going to see, the next four blanks, is a people apart, unliked. A people apart, unliked. Why did Balak try to hire Balaam? What do you think, Jason? Why did he try to hire him? Right, so he was afraid of Israel, really. Nice. Okay, so he was a, he didn't like Israel. It's a, a people apart, unliked. He didn't like Israel. He knew he was going to. And now here's the thing: before you go, oh, you know, Israel really was scary, and they were powerful and whatever. It wasn't just that there was a lot of them, and that you wouldn't want to deal with them in combat. Right? There was also a lot of them. Like, where were they going to water their cows or whatever cattle they had? Where were they going to do that? You know how much water that would take? How about the grass? What do you think happens to the grass after the nation of Israel, hundreds of thousands strong, tens of thousands of cattle, or more, maybe maybe hundreds of thousands of cattle, whatever, they come through. What happens to the grass? It's gone. It's beaten down. It's destroyed, right? So this is not just about, oh, no, we're going to have to face them in battle. It's also about if they come through here and try to get a drink, they'll drink the lake. You know, they'll eat all the crops, whatever. Well, we can't feed them, you know. And they did have a cultural thing where if somebody was wandering through, they were responsible to take care of them. And the king said, we can't have that. If they disband and go out into our nation and try to take care of them, they will literally drain our nation of wealth as all the people try to take care of them. So, so it was, they looked at a people, they said, this, they're different, and we don't like them. So they were a people apart unliked. However... Balaam went up on the mountain and looked. Of course, he was listening to God. And he saw them for what they were. Okay? And the blanks there are, they saw them as gods or his. Right? And this is true of us. If you're a Christian in the room, it's true of you. You're his. Second blank is blessed. He realized they were blessed, not cursed. He realized they were united. Remember, he said they were a people. That means one together, united. And before you say, yeah, they all look the same, that's not true. Even the Semite people look radically different from one another. They may have looked culturally similar, but they would have looked radically different from one another, even different skin tones, hair colors, lengths, heights, weights, every, radically different. Right? So 
his, blessed, united, and then I, for the last one, I just put more, because you could probably put more there, right? So it's his, blessed, united, and more are the four under there, okay? So on the first line under the heart, the first word, Nicole, what'd you put there? Matthew. Say it again. Matthew. Okay, no, down under the heart. There's four blanks. It says, something curse won't settle. Okay, very good. That. Nice. Okay. On the next row down, Chris, what did you put on the second blank? Did you fill it out? Oh, he's not filling it out. Jason, what did you put on the second blank? A people, a people apart on my... There you go. I'm get him trained up. All right. Um, so then he, he saw them for what they were. They belonged to God or God's or his. They were blessed by God. They were united. And they were more. I submit to you, all of those traits apply to the church. They all apply to us. All of them. Now, there, there we are. There's like 30 of us here at most, right? But that's a lot more people that are in the house across the street. That's a lot more people that are in McDonald's right now. Right? We go fill McDonald's. We'd fill up McDonald's if we all left here right now and got to get a milkshake. By the way, if we all left here and got a milkshake, they would be cursing us when we left. You say, no, but yeah. An undeserved curse. An undeserved curse. That's right. It would be an undeserved curse. But if you all show up, what? say it again. Yeah, they were like, I'm sorry, no milkshakes. Too many of you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. So the point is, the church can be scary. You don't think of yourself as scary because you're a nice person, generally speaking. But the church is scary. Okay, I watched a video yesterday on Facebook of a church that went to a mall in, I think, Florida, and they broke out singing one of the Christian hymns that we all know that you know a little bit of, and they apparently knew all of it. And they're singing, sound resonating throughout the whole mall. Now, other Christians in the mall were going, yeah, it's kind of cool. And everybody else was a little freaked, right? Because there they are. They say they belong to God. I don't know who God is. I don't even know if he's real or not. Whatever. I think he probably is, but I don't know him. Right? I'll get you in a second. They, they look awful happy. They all look joyous. They're rejoicing. They're doing something. It's like a flash mob, but they all want to be here. Right? It's really weird. And they're all united singing the same song. And people are like, I, I was going to go buy a pack of underwear, but I can't go. They're singing right there. I can't go buy. I'm just leaving. I'll come back another day. Right? And we think, oh, that's cool. They took over the mall singing songs, but... The people around them were terrified. Not every one of them, probably, but some of them. Go. That actually made national news because of the positive feedback that came back from it. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of Christians in the world that it will not have incidental witness because they don't unite. They're hiding. And they will, they will even make an excuse for their hiding because they don't want to receive those undeserved curses, right? So we don't want to stand out. Okay, so over to the right, it says we may, that's a colon, two blanks. We may be, colon, sorry, two blanks, feared and cursed. The truth is, if you live for Jesus and you step out, you may be feared and you may be cursed. Now, what happens to the curse if you're cursed? It will not settle. It shouldn't affect you at all. Right? And it should, it should just 
bounce right off of you. Because it's an undeserved curse, does not settle. By the way, is that proverb written for Christians? That's written before Christ. Is it written applying only to people who have the Holy Spirit and are sealed up so they're safe? No, it's before Christ. Right? An undeserved curse doesn't settle. That's a thing that happens all the time, not just because we're Christians. The undeserved curses will probably happen to us more if we live out for Christ because people will question who we are, what we're doing, why we're doing that. They will fear us. They may curse us because they don't like what's going on. You know, when you, when you say to your employer, I got to get out early or I, gotta, I can't work on Sundays or whatever, um, that, they don't like that. They don't deal with that. Right? As soon as they can figure a way around it, they're going to get you to try to work so you can't go to church. It's not because they don't want you to go to church. It's that they're afraid of what that looks like. Now, people who have their eyes open, and we'll get there in a second, might look at an employee that wants to go to church on Sunday and see how good an employee it is, and they'd be like, whoa, but they're a good employee the other six days. It's worth it to me. And they might put up with it, right? And that's what you're hoping for. But the bottom line is, so if we're seen for what we are, what is the second blank from the left? So the first one is God's or his, and the next one is... Karina, you got it? Not paying attention? Tony Tate likes Twix too. The second blank from the left under scene for what we are. Nicole, go. Okay, do you want Tootsie Roll this time? Because I think I gave you a couple of Twix. Do you want to stick with the Twix? Okay, coming back. Oh, did I really? Okay, well, I can't remember. Okay, all right. And then uh, under we may be, solo, first blank. Beard is correct, sir. Nice catch the last second there. Okay, and second blank. Chris, did you get it? Beard and... Do you remember? Cursed. That's correct. Very good, sir. Well, I hit him. <laughs> it was there. I hit him in the numbers. Okay. So that can happen. But here is the great blessing. Remember that we're actually talking about an incidental witness here. But those with eyes open, and I'm drawing this from Balaam, right? Balaam's eyes were open. He looked at Israel. They may say, and it's a big, there's a bunch of blanks there. It's let my end be like his. Okay? And if you go back to verse 10 in that story, who can count the dust of Jacob or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the upright and let my end be like his. Incidental witnessing happens like this. Before I say how it happens, I'm going to tell you how it doesn't happen. And you're not going to like it because most of us are trying to do these things. It doesn't happen when you're nice. Incidental witnessing does not happen when you're nice. Now, you should be nice. It's true. Gentleness, kindness, right? Goodness. You, know, you should be nice. But it doesn't happen when you're nice. Why? Because there's nothing about being nice that has anything to do with being a Christian. Right? Now, we know that Christians are nice because of the fruit of the Spirit and like that. But then when you, just because you do that doesn't mean you're a Christian. Nicole, do you have any nice teachers? Yeah. Are they Christians? My point exactly. Right? It doesn't happen when you're nice. What about when you tell the truth, even when, you might, when it might hurt you? Does it happen when you tell the truth, even though you realize the ramifications could be bad? No. That's not going to do it, is it? What about, what about when you don't steal? Is there anybody else out there that doesn't steal? 
Well, the assumption is yes, right? Some people were trained by their parents or whatever, or they went to jail for stealing, and now they don't do it anymore because they don't want to go back to jail, whatever. So the assumption is yes, there are people who don't steal. What about when you care for your children, teach them good ways to live? Does that, is that incidental witnessing? Does that happen? No, because that's the job of all parents, right? Some parents have to get help, get counseling, whatever. They go through a lot of different ways to get there. But the bottom line is, all parents are supposed to teach their children to be functional adults. So what good deed can you do that will actually result in incidental witnessing? Witnessing where you don't have to intentionally go up to somebody and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. What about you? Can we talk about Jesus? Can we pray together right now in the name of Jesus? By the way, if you say, can we pray together or can I pray for you? Does that cause incidental witnessing? No, because no, like, people pray other stuff and other gods, right? They literally stood on the mountain, a high place, at a ball worship site, looking down on Israel. And he didn't say, gosh, I hope I'll be like Baal or Baal worshipers. He said, I want my end to be like his, meaning Israel's end. He looked at Israel. So what was it about Israel that they did do that was different, that he could see? Do you remember what he saw when he looked at them? It's on your paper. What did he see about them? Jason? Yep, so they were blessed. Right now, to, for, in order for people to see that you're blessed, because some people do well, some people think blessing is financial. In order for people to see that you're blessed, you have to attribute that blessing to God, right? Not to it worked out well or oh how lucky I am, so lucky I got Saturday off, right? Now I bought a lottery ticket, I won fifty bucks, man, I'm so lucky, right? That's not going to do it. When I say people ask me how I'm doing, I say I'm blessed. People right away cueing on the fact that maybe, still not for sure, but maybe I'm a follower of Christ. So if you attribute your blessings to God, that's that's a possibility. Somebody raised a hand, Arden. United. Yes, united. That is the primary thing that they were. When he looked down on, he saw them together. It really is two things that he saw. Really, they were a people apart together. That's really what they were, right? They were a people apart together. What? Yeah. So what do we do? How do we make sure that when people see us, incidental witnessing is possible? When we um, share with somebody and someone else um, picks up something. Right. So if you were talking about God, Right? So you're saying, I belong to God, I believe. Uh, you maybe talk about church, faith, Jesus, that kind of thing. And somebody else is listening. They could identify, I, he belongs to God, he's blessed, and because you're talking about church, about the kingdom of God, he's united. Right? But if you're there by yourself, and you talk about God, incidental witnessing is risked. It may not happen. It may still happen. But it may not happen. But it will happen if you're united. Why do you think Jesus sent them out two by two? It's hard to be united when you're by yourself. They went together. Two, they didn't go, the brothers didn't go together. 
right? If they had, then you think, well, they're brothers, so they'd just be together anyway. Two guys that previously didn't really know each other but came to Jesus, sent out to tell people about Jesus. United, apart. And then he gave them some extra instructions about like not taking a bunch of extra stuff with them and so on. A traveler looks a certain way, so they were apart because they were traveling not well equipped, I guess you could say. Okay? So when people say, I'm a Christian, and they don't talk to people expressly about Christ, they miss out on the fact that you know, they're blessed and owned by God, and so there's not going to be any incidental witness at all, for sure. But even if you talk about Jesus and God, if you don't unite with the church, if you don't come apart and be different from the world, there's no chance of, of incidental witness which is the greatest excuse for not witnessing that people actually have. They say, I'm just going to live really good in front of everyone, very Christ-like, very godly, be a very good person. And then when someone asks me why I'm doing that, I'll surely tell them about Jesus. Except what? It's not going to work. It doesn't actually happen. Once in a, I mean, the rarest of circumstances, it might actually happen, but it really doesn't work. Because they they're not going to ask, why are you being nice? Because they figure you have some reason to be nice. Some other reason. You're trying to get something out of them, manipulate them, get it done faster, whatever. But if you want an incidental witness to be possible, which means that along the way, I didn't go right out of my way. I didn't say, can I ask you a personal question? They say, yes, I can. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? That's not incidental witnessing. That's witnessing. That's going after them, right? That's intentional witnessing. But if you go out to dinner, and everybody goes out to dinner, and everybody sits at the table, and if you all bow your heads together and pray, and then make sure that somebody mentions Jesus to the waitress, you look united, apart, because not everybody does that, together, and it's incidental witnessing becomes possible, right? But if all you do is bow your head and pray, it's not enough. Right. It's a good point. The incidental witness becomes possible when Christians unite together and stand apart. But be aware, it may cause fear, it may bring about cursing, but it's okay because that curse is undeserved and that curse will not settle. Okay. Now, I want to end with one thing real quick because I'm leading into my lesson for next week. We are going to, next the next two weeks, we're going to talk about evil spirits and demons. Okay? And I want you to notice that that thing that happened, that curse that was pronounced by that person, came out of their heart and it went into the air. So let's say I'm a curser. And I curse a lot of people. I get mad when I'm driving and they cut me off. By the way, someone cuts you off in traffic and you curse them, using foul language, talking about how stupid they are, whatever, doesn't matter, right? Still very much an undeserved curse. You don't know that person. 
or why it happened, or you don't really know anything. You say, well, they do it all the time. I, they do it all the time, really? How many times have you ever been cut off multiple times by the same person in traffic? Like, yeah, Tuesday of last week at 2 o'clock I was here and a guy cut me off. That's the same car, same color, same everything. It's him, yep. Right around 2 o'clock last Tuesday he did that. Oh, he did it again this week. My goodness, three times in a row. That guy's a horrible driver. But does that ever happen? Just assuming that everybody else that's driving is a bad driver and cursing them, saying bad things about them, whatever like that. But anyway, so then that comes out and it hovers in the air. And let's say I've done that like 150 times. Have you ever known somebody that did a lot of cursing? Yeah. Anybody know the founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken? Colonel Sanders? You seen that guy? He's dead now. He went to be with the Lord. He accepted Jesus Christ. He, he went, he, you know when he became a Christian? He was 77 years old when he got saved. And I watched, it, I watched a bit of his testimony online yesterday. And you know what he said? He said, I just couldn't come to Jesus because I was, wait for it, trapped in my cursing. And we'll pick that up next week. Let's pray together briefly. And next week we begin our discussions of evil spirits and demons. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you that we can be a people apart and united. Let us be together. Let us not walk this life alone, but care about one another, stand up for one another. Let us proclaim the blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ wherever we go, because it's entirely possible that wherever we are, there might be somebody there with their eyes open who will see who will say, let my end be like his or be like hers. 